0: Welcome to Deconstructing Reconstruction. I'm Dalton. I'm Caden. I'm Madeline.
1: And I'm Tyler.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this four-part series.
1: Welcome to Deconstructing Reconstruction. This week in our fourth and final episode, we will be discussing the social and educational impacts of the Reconstruction. As we discuss the social and educational impacts, we will learn about strenuous social relations between African-Americans and whites, the fantastic developments in black education, despite severe opposition and the ensuing discrimination, which continues seemingly indefinitely. To begin, we're gonna be discussing kind of about this little painting here. Um, In 1876, the painting was created by Winslow Homer and he entitled it, A Visit from the Old Mistress. Um, In this painting, we see a white mistress on the right hand side in the house of three um, African American women. And, Madeline, what can be recognized? What can you recognize concerning the social relationships between freedmen and their former masters in this painting?
0: Um, I think that the change in social order is really evident. Um, You can see the woman sitting on the far left of the painting, which would have been extremely inappropriate in the presence of a mistress um, at an earlier time. Um, The mistress herself is visiting the home of the former slaves rather than the slaves being called into her presence. So I think those are some things that are really evident about how the social order changed and evolved. Yeah, I really think these characters and the roles that they fill by uh, are like brought forth by like their clothing and their artistic depictions in the painting.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, I, would, I totally agree with you both. Homer successfully illustrated the newfound tension between Freedmen and wise Southerners. In uh, the history reading, Visions of America, A History of the United States, Volume 1, states that in its 14th chapter, um, in its introduction, that the old order was gone but what would replace it remained unclear in the aftermath of the war. So basically, uh, the vision of the future and how the society, societal order would change was greatly div- devised, had a great division between the freedmen and the former white masters.
0: I could never imagine the feelings of hate and resentment that white Southerners manifested toward the freed slaves. And what were those freedmen intended to do? With no money and hardly any potential outside economic support, they were forced to remain in their previous living conditions. Even ignorance can be noted by reading a journal entry from Susan Bradford, a white southerner who's living on a Florida plantation who wrote in her diary that she was hurt and dazed when one of her former slaves refused to prepare a dinner for her mother.
1: Agreed, despite the visions and interpretations of the future being sharply divided by the freedmen and the white southerners, educational and religious developments abounded within the black communities. African-American mobility following the war in the South led to greater accumulation of black communities. Urban life also provided freedmen access to stronger black institutions such as churches, charities and newspapers, recognizes Visions of America. Before and during the war, African-Americans were subjected to the religious instruction which their masters saw fit. Harriet Jacobs demonstrates this injustice in her book, Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. Mr. Pike, delivering a sermon to the slaves, exclaims, Hearken, ye servants, you are rebellious sinners. Instead of serving your masters faithfully, which is pleasing in the sight of your heavenly master, you are idle and shirk your work.
0: Visions of America illustrates that when the war ended, countless African-American congregations of Methodists, Baptists, and Presbyterians and other sects separated from white ones. They resented their inferior status in white-controlled churches and longed to, be, uh, longed to practice a more emotional expressive worship style disdained by whites. Those religious branches led to the cultural traditions of highly emotional and expressive churches led by a black clergyman who, in their eyes, could properly address their spiritual and social needs.
1: The communal support and establishment of churches also led to greater educational opportunities. Churches had, to a degree, helped initiate degrees of self-government, humanitarian, budget aid, and educational programs, which began to form in societal responsibilities. Church buildings even doubled as meeting houses and as schools. The Freedmen's Bureau, established in 1865, overcame various stages of development including overcoming Johnson's vote, which we discussed in in a previous episode with Caden. And the Freedmen's Bureau eventually grew into making many educational advantages for African-Americans. The Bureau helped helped build 3,000 schools across the South that by 1870 served 150,000 students of all ages. By 1875, literacy among freedmen jumped from 10% to 30%, and by 52% by the 1900s. The various organizations and programs that assisted in educational opportunities for Blacks were incredibly successful. More than a dozen Black colleges, including Howard in Washington, D.C., were quickly established. Following that, color teachers became more and more politically active. At least 70 former former teachers won seats in Southern state legislators during Reconstruction. The effects of the Freedmen Bureau and the Reconstruction are still felt today in modern society the netflix film the 13th illustrates a little bit about that as we as it follows the history of martin luther king and the social impacts of the reconstruction after the civil war and how it's felt felt today um, after the civil war white masters felt incredibly discouraged in their economical pursuits and what was happening as the 13th film was describing was that they were the white masters in the south were arresting um, as many black or freedmen as possible because the 13th or the emancipation proclamation and the 13th amendment basically stated that every man was a free man except for those that were prisoners and so Cobb in the, the Netflix film stated what you got after that was a rapid transition of mythology of black criminality because basically what was happening was white masters were illegally or with malintent were arresting as many black men as they possibly could in order for the forced labor in order to have forced labor
0: yeah um, i think that's key right there is that it was with malintent but it was still it was completely legal that in and of itself is discouraging a little bit when you look at the history because this huge thing that was such a major movement was such a major thing the Emancipation Proclamation we talk about it all the time um didn't really do everything it was supposed to and so it's I get a little bit sad when I look at it like still like I'm like yes like the end of slavery it's amazing but I'm like ah why would we have to add that caveat because I feel like it's shaped so much of our modern prison system and Mm -hmm. how it like interacts with our society now I just think that's really interesting
1: Absolutely, I would totally agree with you. And that's why a lot of people say that the Reconstruction, in a sense, was a complete failure, because we are definitely still feeling a lot of the discrimination and the negative impacts that have been coming from the legalization of laws like this. Um, And Alexander, in the the 13th film, stated that laws were passed that relegated African Americans to a permanent second-class status. And in many societies that's still evident um yeah and i think it's also evident uh,
0: in like our implicit biases um mm -hmm. i don't remember her name but there was a lovely lady who did a ted talk she was talking about implicit biases and how it's not like you're active like it's not how you choose to act it's like your default if you're under stress or something bad is happening like what's your default who do you feel most comfortable with? And the vast majority of American society is comfortable with white males. Um, And I think we've just been socialized, those laws that were put in place and just like the evolution of society. And I think it's interesting to see as we've been talking about reconstruction to see the seeds of that being planted.
1: Absolutely. I I think that's a fantastic way to illustrate that. I mean, what you're saying is backed by the Jim Crow laws in 1877 and the whole ideology that everyone is separate but equal. And, you know, as a society, we're definitely progressing, but there's still a lot of work to do. And, in fact, Martin Luther King in in the, uh, the film stated that for years that he has heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never justice too long delayed is justice denied so here after hearing that we can recognize that there's still a long way to go that the reconstruction hasn't really finished and we need there's a lot of social discrimination and societal ideologies that are still being worked on today
0: yeah and i think that i think that this course and overall with this project especially has helped me come to be more aware of how I interact with how I interact with society and my place in it and I think that we can all say that as we've studied this we've come to understand like the ways that we can and need to maximize the positive aspects of reconstruction and advocate for um, people of color and for change and to minimize the negative effects and to really work on our implicit biases and reducing those so that they don't negatively impact um, people of color anymore.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, madam. And that is all we have concerning the reconstruction. Thank you all very much for tuning in, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.